What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of High Floor Football. I am your host, and as always with me is my faithful co-host, but who has clearly not unpacked his stash of Hawaiian shirts from the uh, the suitcase at this point. Jay Arsht, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I, you know, I thought about it. I, I said I would do Hawaiian shirts all summer. I have some things packed as I just moved. Just came from work, though. I kind of felt the green fit our, you know, our backdrop, our color scheme. So feeling good in the green. It's almost a Kelly green, if you look at it. So it's a nice golf shirt. Um, but yeah, man, I'm doing, I'm doing well. We were kind of talking about it, you know. All the drafts are going to be happening this week through the weekend, and you know, maybe some people that are waiting till the end. You know, I'm jealous because I tend to always have players get hurt on these teams that I draft a week early and I wish that we could just wait a week longer, but you know, it is what it is. I have a live draft in Scottsdale this weekend uh, with my main league. So looking forward to it. It's a, it's a salary cap keeper league. So a lot of nuance to it, a lot of, a lot of things to think about, but today we're just going to go through, you know, regular snake draft, our favorite picks in each round, our favorite targets. So I think it should be digestible for, you know, a lot of the people that are just doing these, these normal drafts this time of year. So I'm excited. Yeah, and I, I think the cool thing with building like your ideal draft is you get to see a couple first of all, you get to see a couple points of view, but truly you get to see what a person thinks about each player that's on the board at each, you know, each uh each round at their pick is. And you know, we're not gonna be using any mock draft software or anything today. We're kind of just gonna go through pick by pick or not pick by pick, we're gonna go through round by round and choose our high water. And kind of, you know, more safe guys uh, at each pick. Jay and I both have a couple prepared for each ones. Uh, the over-under on number of eagles with us doing it is about probably six. I only have I only have one on my list for the first ten rounds. So, and I think I did think about a couple others, though. I'll be honest, Craig. I can't confirm or deny where my where where mine land. But um, we will see. We will see what happens. Um, I might have some new ideas, but. We might as well hop right into it. But before we get started, uh, Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play fantasy football this season. Go on now to Underdog Fantasy and use code HFF, and that gets you a free 100% match on your first deposit of up to $100. Again, that is promo code HFF. Three simple letters when you sign up. Uh, You benefit me, you benefit Jay, you benefit the show. Uh, you benefit yourself because underdog is a great place to go and mock. If you, if you're you know new to fantasy football or you're trying to school your league mates, underdog is the best place to mock because you can mock for money. Cold, hard cash. Best ball mania three is only 70% filled. You have, you still have a few weeks to enter before the season starts. You're rolling out new smaller tournament drafts like the Pomeranian three and four every single week. But the best part about Best Ball Mania 3 is if you win, you win $2 million. Uh, if you want to benefit one of us, but not both, that's perfectly up to you. But it is your benefit. I think Craig's directing play that on at underdog me. I'm taking, I'm taking it personally, Craig. And let me say one more point about the underdog thing. This joke between Sam and I actually recently is, you know, there are all these great tournaments. There's so many different things to play on underdog. Don't shy away from playing those $3 and $5 leagues, too, because if you win those, if you're an addict like me, you can justify it by thinking that you will pay off all these other tournaments you're playing in by winning a couple of these smaller leagues. So I just had to poke fun at that joke. It was a fun thing. Underdog is great. 
Um, so yeah, go on there, draft. It's great for the mock drafts too. I mean, like I've even been talking to some of my friends that you know get more into it now, August, July, whatever. I've been doing these underdog drafts for a couple months. You have such a better handle on the ADP and where guys are going and kind of the ranges that you want to draft players. So big shout out to underdog. Yep. And you got a hand, you get a head start on the rest of your league mates who don't use underdog. And you get free money. Three hundred dollars. Who who turns down three hundred dollars? Not me. So with that said, let's hop right into the meat of our show. We are talking, like we said, building the ideal perfect draft in our opinions. So we're going to start right at the top. We're going to start in round one. Jay, who is your ideal target if you had your pick in round one? So my ideal target, and you know, we'll kind of talk through the process of it, but it's Justin Jefferson. I believe he might be yours too. It's you know, there's some nuance to it because if I have the first overall pick, I am taking Christian McCaffrey. But my most favorable situation is leaving the first round with Justin Jefferson because, as we'll get to with a couple of the other following rounds, is I like a lot of the running backs in round two. I like some players at different positions in the in the later rounds. So I love starting off my draft with Justin Jefferson. I don't think this is any you know surprise to anybody. Justin Jefferson's a pretty top, uh, pretty popular player at the top of drafts. Uh, he's, he's my main guy that I like coming out with and kind of following up with him would be, uh, if I was, if I were to go running back my favorite, again, Christian McCaffrey would be number one, but I love drafting Dalvin cook as well. Cause I think he drops to a range that we haven't really seen before, uh, where he's, you know, I've seen Dalvin cook go at the one twelve at the one ten. Uh, I think that's a great range to grab a guy like him. So those are my, my targets for the first round. I'm also going to go pretty similar with uh McCaffrey and Jefferson as my high water guys um you know I get the whole thing with McCaffrey you think he's injury prone got it I get it he hasn't stayed healthy in two years he's burned you I get it but we're at the point with Christian McCaffrey now where he's no more likely to get injured than any other running back on the board he's at that five percent threshold that uh the wonderful doctor of physical therapy over at fantasy point Edwin Porras has talked so much about uh, when you get two years out from these injuries, these soft tissue injuries, your risk of re-injury goes down to 5%, which is just any normal running back's chance to get injured again. So that's good uh, You know, for Christian McCaffrey. You're obviously taking him at the one or two most likely. Justin Jefferson should be available starting at pick three for you. Um, some leagues may push him down a little bit more in favor of Cooper cup, but I do think that Justin Jefferson is going to be the best wide receiver in fantasy football. And for a couple of reasons, first of all, he's already gone up on his rookie year numbers. Most people wouldn't be able to go up from 85 catches for 1400 yards and seven touchdowns in the rookie season. But Jefferson went to 1600 yards and 10 touchdowns in his sophomore season. That's a huge increase for him. Everything is saying that with the new offense designed by Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams. Justin Jefferson will play the Cooper cup role in this offense and finish as the wide receiver one. Now, if you're at the end of the first round, you have a couple options. You can go and take Dalvin cook. Like Jay said, uh, he's usually available nor near that nine ten spot. You can also go very safe and take someone like Stefan Diggs down there. Uh, his ADP ranking on football guys is 10, but he is in the best passing offense in the league and represents a huge floor uh, in terms of his target share, which, which should be in high 20%. He should garner around 150 targets at a minimum. Wouldn't be shocked if he sees more. 
and he will score like he he cracked the code on being able to score some touchdowns he always had you know that issue in his toolbox in the first few years of his career but since he came to buffalo he's really kind of unlocked that and uh again he is by far the best pass catcher in that offense no shame to Gabe davis <laughs> that's um, for sure and yeah. yeah i mean going on to the second round too it's It'll kind of go off of what I was just saying in the first, why I do prefer to go Justin Jefferson, or like you said, Stephon Diggs. I mean, I really like Stephon Diggs as well. The main reason behind that is, in addition to their talent, in addition to what they can do, is the running backs that are available in the second round this year is nuts. I mean, a lot of these guys could be first-round picks. You can make a case for them to be. I mean, Alvin Kamara has done everything to prove to us every single year that he's probably going to be worthy of a first-round pick again, the suspension pending, you know, all that kind of stuff. But my favorite target is Saquon Barkley. He's going off the board as RB9, as the number 17 player off the board, uh, according to the football guys ADP, the consensus ADP. I get it. You know, some people are going to be nervous about taking Saquon. He's disappointed us as well. But the upside of what Saquon can do, what we've seen his rookie year, what we saw, you know, in, in spurts throughout his career is he has upside that really, you know, other guys don't. Uh, he has a certain skill set that other guys don't. He's super talented in an offense that's really going to need him to step up. I mean, look at the Giants wide receiver room. I mean, we're all hoping Kadarius Tony is going to have a breakout season. But outside of Kadarius Tony, it's, you know, Wondell Robinson, Kenny Galladay, not so much going on in this offense. They're going to need Saquon Barkley. He's going to get all the touches he can handle. And he's my favorite target in the second round. And some of the other guys, like I mentioned, Alvin Kamara, deserve, could be in the first round, so I don't mind taking him in the second as well. Same with DeAndre Swift, another one of my favorite targets. So if you come out of the second round with Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, or DeAndre Swift, I think that's a huge win, uh, especially if, like I said, you start off with a Justin Jefferson and you get one of those guys that really could have a case for going top five to seven. I mean, would, would you argue with anybody saying they took Saquon Barkley or uh, Alvin Kamara over Joe Mixon or over Dalvin Cook or over Najee Harris. I think they're all in a similar yeah. conversation. So yeah. getting them in the second round is awesome. And I prefer them over the wide receivers there too, over the Debo Samuels, CD Lambs, uh, Mike Evans. Love all those players too, but I do prefer going running back in the second round. I mean, here's the thing. When you have five wide receivers in the top 12 ADP, and that's how it shakes out for football guys, you have Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams there. Not to mention Travis Kelsey and CeeDee Lamb are at 13 and 14. There, you know, The opportunity presents itself for you to have a ton of um, really workhorse running backs available to you in the second round, and that's – really not something that we've seen that much in the past few seasons. Um, it's always been running back heavy. That is what the casual fantasy football drafter defaults to is grabbing a running back, but you can really wait on running back this year. Um, I'm a big Saquon Barkley fan as well. Uh, I have definitely warmed up to Alvin Kamara a lot now that uh, we're pretty certain that he's not going to be suspended. But another guy who I've really warmed up to, and it took just a little bit of a hit today with the news that the Packers view both A.J. Dillon and this player as the 1A and 1A in the offense. But I am still extremely high on Aaron Jones's potential this year. Uh, the fact remains that without Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones's points per game numbers rise by eight. That is eight. That goes from 15.1 points per game with Devontae Adams in the lineup to 23.3 points per game without him in the lineup. He runs more routes. He sees more snaps out wide. He sees 
just a higher he sees a higher target share everything gets moved up for aaron jones when Devonte is not in the lineup and adding adding to the fact that you can say whatever you want about alan lazard uh randall cobb even romeo dubs or christian watson uh robert tanyan aaron jones is most likely this team's best pass catcher from a pure you know uh reliability perspective um, he's been on the team for five seasons now. Rogers trusts him implicitly. Uh, he is still seeing goal line work though. You know, obviously significantly less with AJ Dillon in town, but Aaron Jones is by far one of the more underrated guys, you know, obviously not over the last couple months, but Aaron Jones is really quite underrated in terms of his importance to this offense. This is an offense that's ran at a high motor for the last couple of seasons. Uh, they need Aaron Jones to be able to maintain that level of, you know, high, high speed ahead. So I'm all in on Aaron Jones. He's a guy that is a massive second round value. Uh, I'm comfortable rolling out a hero running back strategy with him as my guy. And I do think that there is a slim, but still outside chance that he is the next 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver in the end. Yeah, I don't think that's out of the question. I mean, I think it, it is interesting that, you know, we don't we don't always agree, but this is – these first two rounds, the way that we would start it ideally, seems pretty similar. I mean, we just talked about four running backs in the second round. So, you know, starting off these drafts, if, you know, based on what you were just saying, if you were to come out with a Justin Jefferson, Saquon Barkley, <laughs> with a Justin Jefferson, Saquon Barkley, or, you know, a Stephon Diggs, Aaron Jones, you know, Great starts. You're hitting wide receiver and running back. So much running back value in the second round. So I'm on board. Moving on to the third, uh, Craig here in the comments, you know, was asking when the first Eagle was going to come on the board. Here we go. So AJ Brown is my target in round three, uh, going off the board as wide receiver 12 and the 31st player off the board. AJ Brown is my favorite target in round three. I, I love drafting him there. I mean, I think the upside is clearly there for him to break into more of like the top eight, top seven wide receivers. So going at wide receiver 12, pretty nice. I don't know that A.J. Brown has the upside to be overall wide receiver one, but I think somewhere in that, you know, five to 12 range he should be. So getting him at 12, I think is a good spot. My other target there in the third round, which, you know, might not be as popular. I mean, amongst the fantasy community, we as a community seem to love D.J. Moore. Sam was sending me pictures from his home draft this past weekend. <laughs> DJ Moore got drafted in the sixth round. So it happens. Some people don't love DJ Moore, you know? So I think it makes perfect sense that – it doesn't make perfect sense. It almost is – you might be able to get him later than where I'm saying to take him in the third round, but I love him there. He's only going three spots behind A.J. Brown. So 34th player off the board, wide receiver 14. So – DJ Moore, AJ Brown, if you can come out of the third round with one of them, I feel really good about that. They should get a lot of targets. AJ Brown will have to see a little bit of bump. We're assuming and projecting the Eagles are going to pass more than they have. But when you invest in a guy like AJ Brown, at the extent that they, to the extent that they did, I expect AJ Brown's targets to, to go up and see maybe a career high number in that department. So, and DJ Moore, you know, routinely finishes in the top five in targets, top 10 in targets. I mean, the guy is pretty much a lock for 140 plus. So the upgrade with Baker Mayfield, I like AJ Brown and DJ Moore as my targets in the uh, third round. So for me, um, uh, like I said, rolling a hero, hero running back strategy, 
Um, I'm also going to go away from the running back spot at this point, uh, add to my, add to either my wide receiver core or add a tight end. And if you know me, you know, I'm extremely high on one tight end and his name is Kyle Anthony Pitts. Yes. He of the one who dunked on a poor defenseless Jets cornerback the other night with a 52 yard grab. That would have been a touchdown if Marcus Mariota was a little bit more accurate. Um, look. Kyle Pitts is going to redefine the tight end position. He may redefine it so much that Matt Harmon eventually charts him. <laughs> so that's what he says. He said, somebody go chart the tight ends and they'll do it. Yeah. But look, I mean, look, Pitts doesn't split out wide, uh, you know, enough to make, you know, charting tight ends a necessary evil for Matt. If you know Matt, it's one of his most hated questions. Uh, he gives the little Ron Swanson parks and recreation, you know, slowly turning away gif whenever he sees it. But Kyle Pitts is just that guy. You know, he's going to be even in the Atlanta offense, which is not going to be remotely good. He will still be a generational player. Um, I do believe that there is a ceiling for Kyle Pitts where he hits 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns this season. He's just that good. He's that scary, and he's just in that good of a situation. Kyle Pitts is generational. Uh, you should be taking him in your third rounds if you can. Um, look, he's going to be there in most of your home leagues. You know, he might even be there in the you know near the third round turn. Um, if for some reason he is not there, there's another guy I really love. Keenan Allen is there uh, as well. Keenan Allen is pretty much one of the safest players in fantasy football this year. Um, can't really see him finishing lower than wide receiver nine or 10 this year. Uh, given that Justin Herbert seems primed to throw for 5,000 yards. Someone's got to catch those balls outside of Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. Uh, it's going to be Keenan Allen as well. He may not have the spike weeks that you like covet, but he'll give you 14, 15 points a game pr pretty easily. Uh, he's still got very short hands. He's still one of the best route runners in the league. So both Keenan Allen and Kyle Pitts there are great. Uh, if you do want to go running back in this spot, uh, I don't really recommend it. There's some, there are some options. Uh, Travis Etienne is, uh, is kind of sitting right there at there. the end of the third round, <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll see as well, but we can move on to the fourth since I think I just took Jay's guy. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things I was going to say about Keenan Allen, it's kind of my favorite thing to say about him because you, and you know, me too. I love the narratives. I love kind of the personalities and following all those storylines of these players. And Keenan Allen really seems to be every wide receiver's favorite wide receiver. You know, he's he the really guy is. that he's the guy that every year in fantasy is underrated somehow. You know, he goes later than he finishes every year, rolls out of bed with like a hundred catches, you know, ton of targets. Now he's got a great quarterback, but he really is. If you ask any wide receiver in the NFL, I mean, Keenan Allen is on everybody's list. So, uh, yeah, another year where Keenan Allen's probably underrated. And like you said, he's probably going to be a, a lock for consistency. So going into the fourth round, you know, a little bit of cheating here because Travis Etienne is technically the last pick of the third round. He sometimes falls to the fourth. So, you know what? I came up with a backup plan just in case, you know, there was a little penalty flag on the uh, – Travis Etienne third round target. So my other, or my fourth round target, uh, if not Travis Etienne, if he does go, you know, end of the third, is Jalen Waddle. Uh, I think Jalen Waddle is also kind of a situation where he's going wide receiver sixteen. I think he finished around wide receiver fourteen last year off the top of my head. Uh, but you know, 
Tyreek Hill goes there. We're kind of downgrading Jalen Waddle, where, you know, clearly if Tyreek Hill wasn't there, he'd be a little bit higher on our lists. But when I look at the players around him, I just prefer to take him there. You know, in the fourth round, you have a lot of quarterbacks that start to go based on the ADP. So it's Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, uh, first few quarterbacks, or the second and third quarterbacks go. Josh Allen goes a little bit sooner. And then the running backs, like Sam said, not a great spot. You know, David Montgomery, Cam Akers, a couple of those guys in the fourth round. And then there's Brees Hall and Travis Etienne potentially. So if Travis Etienne's gone, I prefer Jalen Waddle and kind of fits the build of what Sam was talking about as well. As I'm also a fan this year of kind of doing more of a hero RB approach. There's just so many wide receivers to eat up in these middle rounds. And running back seems a little bit deeper than it has been just in terms of the dead zone being extended, I feel like there's guys in the dead zone here that I am trying to avoid, but then there are guys kind of after the dead zone that I feel like should be ranked a little higher that I would be taking ahead of, you know, the Josh Jacobs, the David Montgomery's of the world. So uh, in this range, I prefer to go wide receiver with Jalen Waddle if, if Travis Etienne's gone. So Yeah, I just feel like that, you know, this start of the dead zone and the fourth round starts the dead zone this year. It's really ugly, and I, I feel like there's like a like the secondary dead zone of like the eighth, ninth round is so much more attractive to pick running backs out mm. of out of as at terms of value because you know when we're looking for our RB two, we're really looking for eleven to fourteen points per game. Not only can you sometimes find that on waivers in some leagues, depending on how sharp your league is, but you really can find guys in those late single digit, early double digit rounds that will give you that number. So. I'm a huge fan of waiting on a running back. I don't feel the need to reach on any of those guys. Um, you know, guys like like you said, Acres, Brees Hall is a favorite of mine. But again, someone who I'm, you know, I'm more I'm more partial to start with Brees Hall uh, in a modified zero running back where I'm taking a running back in like the fourth round for the first time instead of having Brees Hall be my second guy because I feel like you're missing out on some value pockets in this, you know. Uh, four, round four to six of some really talented players, one of which is Cortland Sutton. And, you know, in the, we all talk about the Broncos offense this offseason ever since Ro- Russell Wilson went there, but we're not really ranking them as such. Um, you know, we're ranking, we're ranking the Miami, both of the Miami wide receivers with Tua higher than we are the Broncos wide receivers with Russell Wilson. So I, I feel that's a little bit of a discrepancy. Um, you know, not to say that Tyree Kill and Jalen Model aren't talented. They very much are. But so are Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And Cortland Sutton is going off the board at wide receiver 18 right now. He's firmly in that fourth round, mid-fourth round, late-fourth round pocket. And Cortland Sutton's just set up for a monster season. Uh, not saying he's going to approach the DK Metcalf numbers of 1,300 yards from a couple of years ago. But I definitely think he should get close. He should pass a thousand yards. He should have nine to ten touchdowns. He'll be the deep threat for this offense. And for me, this is more a product of not really seeing a lot from Jerry Judy yet so far. He's had a couple injury filled campaigns. Um, you know, it took him a little while to get back up to speed after his ankle sprain last year. And I'm not really sure what he's you know, what we should expect from Jerry Judy this year. But I do know that we should expect great things from Cortland Sutton this year. He's my first target in that round four. Um, the second target in that round four, this is a great spot. If, if you are so inclined to take a quarterback, this is where you should be looking to select your quarterback one in Josh Allen. 
Uh, Allen might go a little bit earlier in some leagues, but if he's here, this is a good place to take the pretty near consensus QB one in your drafts. Um, again, not recommending it, but if you do end up wanting to take it, he's a great spot here. Uh, I have kind of pivoted to more of a middle round QB strategy. I'm not reaching this early for a quarterback. Cause again, I do feel still like, uh, still feel like there are some value pockets, but Josh Allen here, uh, if you wanted to go someone like Justin Herbert here, I would understand it. Uh, you know, later on in the fourth round, but the, the fifth round is where you start to see some quarterbacks fly off the board and the late fourth round is a good spot to kind of get a jump there. Yeah. So I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, it's the first time that we're aside from if somebody takes Josh Allen, you know, in the third round or something, but the fourth round is really when we start to see quarterbacks go. I really wouldn't take one there personally, just because when I look at the board, like you said, I mean, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, I don't think anyone's going to criticize you for taking those players. I mean, they're great players. They could, you know, have huge seasons. They're set up nicely. But that being said, I mean, after them, Lamar Jackson goes, you know, about a round later. Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts go a couple rounds after them. As you know, who I'll talk about when we get closer to like round 9, 10 is Trey Lance. You know, there's, there's plenty of guys. Uh, I do think you should prioritize getting one of these top, like, seven, eight quarterbacks because the upside with them just is so much different than the guys kind of after them more of the pocket passers. I would like to get one of the mobile guys in the top eight, but the fourth round feels a little early for me. Like I said, you know, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, no one's going to criticize you for it, but there are quarterbacks a couple rounds later that I think have similar upside. So moving on to the, to the fifth round here. Uh, another one that I'll say, you know, if he falls because he was my initial target, but a little bit before more in the fourth round is George Kittle. And I like taking Kittle in the fifth round, Kittle or Waller. I mean, it's kind of with Sam's point when you brought up Kyle Pitts in the third. I draft a lot of Kyle Pitts in the third round, but when I don't, I'm pretty pleased to two rounds later get a George Kittle or a Darren Waller. Uh, I think, you know, as much as Kyle Pitts is going to explode, I agree with Sam. I don't know if the full thing will happen this year. At some point, for sure, it's going to happen, and Kyle Pitts is going to break fantasy. I agree with that. But drafting a Darren Waller, George Kittle in the fifth round is pretty nice as well. Uh, I feel like you can get a little bit more value early and still get one of the elite tight ends. If they're not there, especially if, if Kittle, because I do prefer him over Waller, Hollywood Brown's a target that I like in the fifth round. Uh, still going wide receiver, you know, Hollywood Brown, Darnell Mooney, going kind of back of the fifth round, so... I like those guys. I mean, Hollywood Brown's going to get that little bump from DeAndre Hopkins being out six weeks, as well as, you know, the narratives of, you know, him and Kyler Murray being best friends and college teammates. And, you know, the last time we saw that happen uh, with two young players, it worked out pretty well with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. So Hollywood Brown going over to the Cardinals, teaming up with his buddy Kyler, and then also kind of the extra pieces of DeAndre Hopkins suspension, Marquise Brown, and kind of a more pass-happy offense. I mean, I like all the, the factors there. So Hollywood Brown and Darnell Mooney would be two of my targets if those tight ends don't make it to you in, in Kittle and Waller. Um, okay. I uh, I really like the I really like both strategies there. Uh, I'm happy to kind of go with Waller in that spot. Kittle, I'm you know, a little bit lower on than you are. Um, you definitely know that by now. But uh for mine, I'm focusing again on two more wide receivers here. Allen Robinson, who Football Guys has at 49 overall, just outside that fourth round. And DK Metcalf, who we have at 52, wide receiver 22. So these are two guys 
that, uh, you know, obviously Allen Robinson had the massive down year last year. Uh, people left him for dead. Didn't look like he wanted to be anywhere near that Chicago Bears organization. Sorry to all my Bears fans, but can you really blame him? Um, gets a great situation going to the Rams. Now it's got Matthew Stafford. He's going to take over the wide receiver two role. He's the clear X receiver on the outside there. Uh, seems a little hard from the bus as I read in a, and uh, you know, an article on reception perception from Matt Harmon today. Uh, the only way that Allen Robinson busts in Los Angeles is if he's truly washed. Um, there's a chance he is, but I don't think so. So, Allen Robinson, the fifth round, is a nice place to continue building your wide receiver room, but I'm way more partial to DK Metcalf personally. And again, I think this is a huge discrepancy in pricing. DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf. This guy was the wide receiver one in Dynasty less than a year ago. Like he's he's a freak athlete. He's a human specimen. Just because he doesn't have a quarterback anymore. Look what we saw DeAndre Hopkins do for years with bad quarterbacks. DK Metcalf is way more athletically gifted. And he's already put up numbers that make me secure (laughs) in that he is well-suited to put up solid numbers with either Geno Smith, uh, Drew Locke, or if, you know, they happen to sign Jimmy Garoppolo off the, off the waivers when he gets cut or whatever happens. Uh, DK Metcalf at wide receiver 22 feels good kind of egregious to me um i think he is a great option in you know right at the start of your fifth round there um a little further down the list we have gabe davis who is going as the wide receiver 27 and at 61 overall here so uh he's right there i think gabe davis is a perfect bet at the end of your fifth rounds because you want players on the bills offense this year that are not named Zach Moss. You really, really want a part of their passing game. Gabe Davis is going to be the perimeter wide receiver for Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills across from Stefan Diggs, who will play the Z most times Davis will play the X in a role that uh, Emmanuel Sanders was very good at. And if he was actually not dust, then he probably would have put up better numbers at. Gabe Davis is definitely not dust. He's only 23. He has a ridiculous touchdown rate in the last two years, 13 touchdowns over the last two years, and one of the highest A dots in the league and yards per reception as well. He's ready for this role. So Gabe Davis is a perfect wide receiver three or four at this point in the draft in the fifth round. Yeah, I, I like those options. And I don't, I don't disagree with you on DK. He's, he's an interesting one, clearly. I mean, because where he was going in past years to where he's going now as wide receiver 22, it does seem drastic. And yeah, there's a big quarterback change. The only caveat that I would say with DK, and I would ask you kind of your opinion on it too, I guess is, I mean, I like DK more in, in certain builds for sure, because I don't want to depend on DK. If it does go South, I don't want to have like him be my, I mean, where are we? We're in the fifth round. So likely he's not going to be your wide receiver one. You'll probably have somebody else there, maybe even two or two or three guys by this point. DK, you know, is your wide receiver three or something like that is nuts. I mean, because the upside's there. He will have big weeks because he's so athletic uh, and he's so talented. But it depends on the build for me because I am a little scared of just that Seattle offense in general. It just seems to be one of those stay away offenses. But DK is so talented and so gifted. I think he will, you know, have plenty of, and plenty of big plays to make up for it. Going into the sixth round, 
This is more where I start to look at quarterbacks. So we, we were mentioning it in the fourth round where you're going to start seeing guys go. Uh, this is more where I feel comfortable. I mean, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. I don't really – I mean, I love Joe Burrow, the player. I don't really think he belongs in, like, that same tier in terms of the uh, quarterbacks for fantasy. I mean, Joe Burrow, QB7. But my main targets in this range – are either quarterback Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray, or I like Juju Smith-Schuster going off the board as wide receiver 29, and I'm kind of coming around to it. Uh, I, I liked it initially when he went to Kansas City, and then I was you know, kind of skeptical it's Juju. He's disappointed us in the past. When you really look at it, though, I mean, when Juju had success, Antonio Brown was on the outside. Antonio Brown was the main target. Everybody knew that. Juju was able to eat over the middle, eat in the slot. You know, he had huge seasons as a young player. He's still 25 years old, which is crazy. I was texting one of my buddies about that, and he was like, really? I thought he was like 30, you know? He's one of those guys that feels like he's been in the league forever because he came in as like a 20-year-old. So mm-hmm. Juju is one of my favorite came targets. In in this- yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Juju is one of my favorite targets in this range, though, because the upside in this Kansas City offense, I mean, we've seen it. And it's not that he has to be the wide receiver, too, which is what we tried to find so much in Kansas City. and were unsuccessful, you know, wanting Nicole Hardman to hit, wanting different guys, Sammy Watkins, you know. The wide receiver two in Kansas City doesn't really, you know, get that much production, that many targets from Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey's the number one option. We all know that. So Travis Kelsey's going to be eating up the coverage. Everyone's going to be worried about stopping Travis Kelsey. When you look at the competition at wide receiver, Juju really doesn't have as much as I think the per, per consensus thinks, I guess, or the perception may seem. Sky Moore, I think, is going to be a really good player at some point. I think whether that's second half of the season, whether that's early in the season, I don't know for sure. He's not playing with the first team right now, and I think they're going to bring him on a little bit slowly to an extent. I mean, he's a converted wide receiver. So, I mean, you can roll your eyes at it, but he's not playing with the first team right now. So I think they're, you know, getting him acclimated with with the second group for some reason. But – I like Sky Moore a lot. I just don't think he's going to get more targets than Juju Smith-Schuster is if they're both healthy this season. I don't think that's a hot take, personally. But, okay, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling's a career bum. I mean, he's a a deep threat. That's all that he can do. (laughs) Now you got me pissed off, so now the players are going to have to take the brunt of it. But – Seriously, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I get the contract. I get that we're interested to see like how Kansas City is going to use him because they did pay him a lot of money. But he's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It's not like he was playing with a bum in, in uh, Green Bay either. He had Aaron Rodgers. You know, It's just the type of player that he is. He's a boomer bust guy. He's a deep threat. So I think Juju's got a great opportunity to, to have a big breakout season. And as Sam's laughing and rolling his eyes, some of the guys that you were talking about earlier today who you seem to respect in this industry have said similar things about Juju Smith-Schuster. Matt Harmon saying he could be this year's Cooper Cup. JJ Zacharyson on his Bold Predictions podcast on the Late Round Pod was also touting Juju as the best option to maybe have that sort of breakout. Not have the record-setting season that Cooper Cup had. I don't think anybody's projecting that. But a guy going in like the sixth round who we've seen be elite before, at least production-wise – 25 years old, going to the best situation he's ever been in. So I like Juju in that round or in that range. Look at the guys going around him, especially the wide receivers. I mean, Jerry Judy, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper. I just would take Juju over all those guys. Uh, the only other one who I'll talk about in a round just because of the ADP is Rashad Bateman. I would take Rashad Bateman over Juju, and he's going a little bit later. But I'll take advantage of the ADP and take him next round. So <laughs> Juju is one of my guys, or if you're going quarterback, I think this is a good spot to take a Kyler or a Jalen Hurts. 
I definitely agree with you. Uh, this is a great spot to take your quarterback. Like Jay said, round six is the sweet spot. We see Jalen Hurts go in this range. Joe Burrow goes in this range. Kyler Murray goes in this range. So all are great options. Uh, if you're still looking to bolster your wide receiver room at this point, some of you may be, you know, looking for your fourth or fifth guy. Adam Thielen is there. Like Jay said, Juju Smith-Schuster is there if you like mediocrity. Um, Amari Cooper is there if you like a ton of mediocrity. Um, Rashad Bateman is again there, but again, you know, his, he's being more pushed up, you know, an industry standpoint. Uh, I would still say that the majority of your leagues, you're going to see Rashad Bateman go, uh, in the seventh or later, we should make some sort of fun bet on the podcast about Juju, Juju Smith Schuster and Sky Moore targets this year, since you think he's going to out target Juju barring health. Is that what you really think, or are you just saying barring health? I'm, will, I'm willing to barring make health. I'm willing go to on, make with you on. Let, let's talk off stream. Let's talk okay. off stream. Um, <laughs> going back, going back to it. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is is at 72. Like he's the last one in this round six tier. I have no interest. Um, but again, I think round six is prime if you want to employ the uh, the mid round QB strategy. Otherwise, there are a bevy of wide receivers around that you can kind of go instead. Jerry Judy is there. Uh, I think he's a nice one. But again, uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned about Jerry Judy. They don't really know what to think of him. I myself included. So, um, you know, he's going to be off my list. I'm most of the time going to be targeting a QB here. Most of the time it's going to be Jalen Hurts since he's going off the board as QB six. I have him at QB three. So, um, you know, again, Joe Burrow is there. He's a good one as well. Moving on to round seven. Um, like, like we said, Rashad Bateman's here at 71, but again, he's being pushed down. But the real person I want to, I want to highlight is yet another wide receiver, but one who's kind of going two or three rounds later than I think he should be. And that's Elijah Moore. So um, by now, most, most of you have heard that uh, Zach Wilson has a bone bruise and a, uh, you know, uh, a meniscus tear that he had replaced uh, the other week from Flacco's the preseason game. For him he is better for him. Actually, he is better for him. And, <laughs> and nice. obviously, Obviously, it's a you know much smaller sample size, but all of the all of the Elijah Moore uh, stat points go up significantly with Joe Burrow as a or not a Joe Burrow, Joe Flacco as a opposed to Zach Wilson. Um, at this point, Zach Wilson is kind of viewed as a little dusty, but you know by by people and a lot of people wanted him to take a step forward this year. But I think we're kind of having to come crashing back down to earth on that one. Um, but here's the thing. You know, kind of like how everyone has said about Keenan Allen, like he's so much better than people think. Well, a lot of people say that Elijah Moore is better than people think. AJ Brown straight up said Elijah Moore is better than me at football. Like you're getting that from the, you know, one of the legends of today's game in AJ Brown. Like Elijah Moore is a stud. He popped so hard near the end of last season. He was averaging 17.7 fantasy points per game down the stretch. Um, you know, his, his college statistics and rookie season compare favorably to Tyler Lockett and Calvin Ridley. He was averaging a solid 1.8 yards per route run, despite, you know, Zach Wilson's quarterback play. And again, I really don't think the injury is a bad thing for him. So, and here's the here's the biggest thing, and it's so data driven that you know it doesn't even need to be researched. Betting on second year breakouts for wide receivers is one of the safest bets that you can make in fantasy football. 
Elijah Moore is the play. Yeah, I mean, I like Elijah Moore in the seventh round, too. We already talked about Rashad Bateman, who was my guy uh, for the seventh round, because I think that it's just kind of crazy that he's going there. I'd be taking, I've been taking Rashad Bateman like more in the early like wide receiver 20s, and he goes as wide receiver 33. So mm-hmm. kind of a cheat code for me to get him in round seven, in my opinion. But we already talked about him. Somebody else that I uh, you know like in this range who you already uh, tore down in your exploration <laughs> was Clyde, Ed- Clyde Edwards Elair, uh, who I don't mind in this range. Going off the board as wide uh, running back twenty six, uh, I I kind of like Clyde this year in that in that range. I mean, I think the problem before was everyone was drafting him so early. You know, I mean, his rookie season he came in, he's the number one running back. You know, number one rookie running back somehow. Uh, you know, because he went to Kansas City. And then, you know, last year, still everyone kind of telling themselves the story that he will bounce back. You know, there have been things, though. You know, he had the gallbladder issue last year. He was hurt last year. If you actually look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's per-game stats, like what he's actually doing when he's on the field, he's, he's not as bad as he gets uh, gets credit for, doesn't get credit for, I guess, however you want to say that. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is better than the uh, – perception of him i think in terms of fantasy production so i don't love him but coming off the board as wide receiver 26 in this range i mean i prefer clyde to tony pollard to miles sanders uh, some of the other running backs here to uh damian harris what'd you say rb 26 not wide receiver 26 sorry rb 26 <laughs> thought you were taking a little subtle dig there with that, <laughs> that whisper um but yeah i mean i think when you look at what kansas city's done this offseason and you know sam will tell you he doesn't like isaiah pacheco he also probably doesn't like jarek mckinnon and he doesn't like Clyde. i Pierre, actually do like jarek so. mckinnon <laughs> okay, i actually so, do like jarek okay McKinnon. so there we go so i was gonna say sam's counterpoint is probably gonna be that he hates Clyde or Lair, but he also doesn't like anybody else in that backfield so hey i like Just ronald to, jones hey i like ronald jones good for you Good for you. So <laughs> just to get ahead of it. But um, yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hiller is somebody that I don't mind in that range. Uh, Rashad Bateman, who I already mentioned. Hunter Renfro, too. You know, Sam mentioned Elijah Moore. I think he's definitely a, a smash in the seventh round. But Hunter Renfro is also interesting. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to return anything close to, what was he last year? Like wide receiver 12 points per game or something. He was like a borderline wide receiver one. I don't think Hunter Renfro is going to get anywhere close to that. But wide receiver 34 seems like a decent range. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, I expect them to be the main targets. But, I mean, you got to see this video of uh, anybody listening or whatever. Look it up. Derwin James on the I Am an Athlete podcast talking about Hunter Renfro was nuts. I mean, he was like they, – they kept asking him, too. They were like, really, Hunter Renfro? And he's like, yeah, Hunter Renfro is – sorry, I'm cuss. is really good. So, um, Hunter Renfro is a good guy in that range. So, those are some of my favorite targets. I, you know, Renfro, Bateman, Claudio Zulaire. Devontae Smith, if he kind of breaks into that, but he's kind of more of a round eight guy, I guess, based on the ADP. I actually was going to go with Devontae Smith in round seven as well. He's literally right there on the football guy's ADP. He's at 84, so that's literally 712. Um, look, he's ranked wide receiver 37. I think he should be ranked, uh, you know, eight or nine spots above that. Um, you know, it's not – it really depends what side of the Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, side you lean on we all know aj brown's gonna get his targets but you know who is the kind of second guy in that eagles offense and uh you know again we're gonna spend you know we're gonna fulfill craig's uh, prediction you know of us talking about multiple eagles before the show is over but i, I think it's warranted um you know Devonte smith is, is a really safe option i think if you're looking for safety he's one of the safest guys that you can take in this range um, look, I think he's a better bet than Alan Lazard is in this range, given about, you know, what we really don't know about that. 
um, that Packers offense, I think he's a safer bet than Drake London, who's also in this range. I think he's a safer bet than Brandon Ayuk, Christian Kirk. I think he's a safer bet than any of the guys in this round seven, eight range. So I, I take Devontae Smith, you know, uh, you know, we're going into the eighth round. I talked about all those guys. Um, I think this is a good time to, if you're still on the hero RB strat with me, uh, I think this is a good, great time to take your second running back. Uh, we talked earlier about there being a little bit of a value pocket at the, you know, in the eighth, ninth round, kind of that second dead zone, if you will. Um, Devin Singletary is here who my, one of my very good friends in the industry, Herms refers to as the most underrated running back in, in football. Um, Chase Edmonds is You're here. spilling into the eighth round, right. man. Those are my targets. Right. Hold on. You don't have to say it. I didn't say anything. Rashad Penny is here. Cordell Patterson is here. I think these are all great targets in this kind of area here. Um, you know, not even, not even thinking about, you know, Damian Harris, uh, if, if you're kind of concerned about that log jam in new England, I think it's personally best to stay away, but this is a great place to grab your second running back is the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah. And you know, I agree with you spilled into the round eight guys a little bit too, because those are where I think there are some good running backs. Like you mentioned, I mean, Chase Edmonds is, was my guy that I was going to say is my target in round eight. Fortunately, I came with backups, so <laughs> I have Chase Edmonds, who I really like this year. And I talked about him last show, so I mean, if anybody's listening and you want to hear more about Chase Edmonds, I mean, I used him as my breakout running back, going off the board as uh, running back 31. Seems kind of crazy to me, too. I mean, I like him over, like, I want to say there's like six running backs that are going ahead of him that I would take Chase Edmonds over. I, I would take Chase Edmonds over Kareem Hunt, Damian Harris. Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard. I would take Chase Edmonds over all those guys, and those are the you know five running backs that are ranked ahead of him. So uh, he's one of the targets there in round eight. Another one for me is Brandon Ayuk, who you know going off the board is wide receiver forty. I kind of thought his ADP was going to continue to to rise because it did rise a decent amount from you know a couple months ago with you know the the s'mores narrative, which you know I think I was on the ground floor for the s'mores narrative. I, I was right <laughs> there when it hit. Um, Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk making s'mores together a couple months ago was an early sign, an early data point that we should have all taken into account. Um, and you know, he's out of the doghouse this year, which he's even made jokes about. It's Danny Gray's Allegedly. doghouse now. Yeah, it's <laughs> Ky Ky yeah, that's true. Kyle Shanahan can can turn that around at any second. But I agree with the takes that you know I've heard a lot of people mention this that Brandon Ayuk might just be a better fit for Trey Lance. I don't know that he's going to outproduce Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel is uber talented guy and i'm sure they're right. going to find ways to get the ball in his hands but Ayuk might be a better fit and so not necessarily that he outscores debo but the gap might be a little bit closer than it was last year you know debo was well like a top five guy last year top eight receiver last year and Ayuk struggled uh for the first half of the season and he was a little bit in the doghouse like we mentioned if you look at his games at the end of the season though Ayuk was you know playing close to 100 percent of the snaps i mean the guy was on the field all the time um good fantasy production He's also a guy that can do some of those Debo Samuel things. Brandon Ayuk can go take reverses. He can take jet sweeps. We saw against the Eagles a couple of years ago, he took a jet sweep to the house and hurdled like two guys in the end zone. So Brandon Ayuk, yeah. super talented player, going at wide receiver 40 in an offense that I expect to, to kind of boom this year. Another player that I would say in the eighth round is Ramondre Stevenson. I like Ramondre Stevenson a lot. Uh, he's kind of one of the guys that, is like after Ramondre Stevenson, I really struggle. So it's after him, it's, you know, Kenneth Walker, Melvin Gordon, 
James Cook. Uh, you know, I like Damian Pierce, but still, you know, there's some guys a little further down where I'd rather just have Ramondre Stevenson. And if, if you have Ramondre Stevenson as your running back two or, I mean, running back three, I don't think it's a bad situation to be in. There were some reports coming out today that, you know, it looks like it is going to be more of like a just Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, and they both could be on the, the field for some passing downs. And Damian Harris, I mean, he doesn't get any passing work, but he can catch the ball. I mean, it's one of those funny narratives where it's like, you know, Kenneth Walker didn't catch the ball, so people act like he can't. He can, he's just not on the field when it happens. So, I mean, is that really that you're going to roll your eyes at that? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> But Ramondre Stevenson, um, great option, running back 35. Uh, I expect the Patriots to still be a pretty run-heavy offense. I mean, they haven't done a ton to, to bulk up their passing game. So if it is running through Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris and Ramondre is getting more of the passing work, which I think we could all assume would happen in that sort of scenario, I think he's you know a great option. And I'll even slide in a little nugget here, more of a dynasty nugget, I guess, but it could happen during the season. Damian Harris is on the last year of his contract. And the Patriots, I don't think they're going to – pay him i mean i would just assume they're not just based on kind of the way they operate so if damian harris gets moved during the season or even if he gets hurt anything happens i mean Ramondre stevenson's upside is immense if he's the, the lead back in the new england offense so uh i like him there as well and you know like i said brandon i is, is one of the ones there too i'm trying to figure out like where like the like where the patriots eventually you know finish in this like uh damian harris from andre stevenson narrative like do they actually plan to like swap them out here damon you get this set of downs from Andre, you get this set of downs and you know back and forth and back and forth i mean i still tend to feel like it's it's damian harris in this backfield which is why i'm kind of still you know as Ramondre has kind of shot up boards the 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 past couple weeks i've kind of been you know avoiding it at all costs like well, I, I, I was fine taking him at cost before yeah. but the problem, the thing with Harris, and, and this is coming from our good friend Dave Kluge, uh, we have a seven-game sample size from where uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, oh, I can't speak, were both fully healthy and playing on the field. Stevenson had 49 carries for 262 yards and a touchdown. Damian Harris had 109 carries for 442 yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, at this point, uh, Damian Harris is going as the RB29, and Ramondre is going as the wide or RB thirty-five, and that is, you know, as of a few days ago. Um, I just think that, but I, I just think that, you know, it we're getting a little too cute with it. Yeah, let me give a little bit of a background to that. I guess I mean, last year, frustratingly, that is what happened though. Is Damian Harris missed a game. Ramondre Stevenson came in and like absolutely exploded. Um, I'm trying to find the. Whatever, I'm not going to be able to find the actual game. It was against the Browns, if I remember off the top of my head. Um, but he had like 27 fantasy points or something. I mean, Damian or Ramondre Stevenson was just a monster. That, those are the type of things that I'm – where is it? 27 fantasy points. Nice. Let's get off the top of my head. Against Cleveland in week 10. So, um, yeah, Damian Harris missed time. Ramondre Stevenson absolutely exploded that game. They gave him 20 carries. He got 100 yards. He had a couple catches in that one as well. I get the Damian Harris thing too. I'm not, I mean, I like Damian Harris at his price too. So I'm not like out on Damian Harris, but if they're going to split time and one of them is going to catch passes, I'd rather have the one that's going to catch passes than the guy that's not. Um, they're both going to be touchdown dependent. If you remember Damian Harris too, to kind of give context to, to Dave's tweet or whatever it was, is 
Damian Harris like, didn't even play for the Patriots for the first couple of years. I mean, they have other running backs. They kind of do that with their guys. Ramondre Stevenson came in, was clearly behind Damian Harris, and he might still be. But, again, if he's going to catch passes, I'd rather have the guy in the split backfield that's going to catch passes than the one that's not. So it's tough. They're going, like, back-to-back, and every time that I see it, in best ball drafts especially, I struggle with it too. Um, I think you can kind of benefit from either one, though. So. I'd rather have the guy that's catching passes at the same time. If you get Damian Harris, I mean, I'm not hating on that for taking him over a Andre Stevenson. I think that it's going to be an offense where they're going to use both of them if they're healthy. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree on that. I think it's just going to be a very weird split for fantasy, but uh, we will definitely see on that. Um, moving on to round nine. Uh, we are now in that, um, that other range of guys. I don't know why I said other range, but uh, you know, once we hit, uh, that kind of like 96, um, you know, the second tier of quarterbacks, Trey Lance is in this tier, Matthew Stafford's in this tier, Aaron Rodgers in this tier. Um, both of those are good guys. I think it's, you know, you, you start to look at some tight ends here, some later tight ends. Zach Ertz is in this range. I think that's a great pick. If you got all the way down here without a tight end, uh, Dawson Knox as well. Uh, I think a good thing to do is kind of look at some of the rookies that are in this range. Um, Chris Olave is here. Traylon Burks is here, you know, as guys that can really ball out in their first years. Uh, Chris Olave in particular steps into a great situation in New Orleans. Jameis loves to throw the deep ball. Chris Olave is very good at catching the deep ball. We all know that Michael Thomas, when healthy, is going to patrol the middle of the field, take the slant routes, take the intermediate routes, uh, you know, play that X, uh, you know, roll to perfection moving the chains but chris olave is there for when Jameis decides to air the ball out and he's got a really good catch radius even though he's only six feet tall and uh he's a really good fit for this offense so chris olave here is kind of a uh again a little bit of a misprice based on the fact that he's a rookie but uh new orleans tends to be one of those teams that does draft rookies really well i have chris olave at wide receiver 31 in my rankings he's off at football guys as wide receiver 41 or 45 right now and again like i said dawson knox zach Ertz are both great targets uh as your tight end one in this range so i go a different route this is where i guess kind of we start to differ in our, in our strategy because i do tend to either want one of the elite tight ends or I, I would rather just wait a little bit for some of these later guys and just try and throw a couple darts on like the Cole Komets and Herb Smiths and some of those guys later on if I don't get one of the one of the top guys. Uh, in this range for me, I mean, it's Trey Lance, Kadarius, Tony are like my two guys that jump off the board for me. I would take Trey Lance ahead of Joe Burrow uh, this year. So it's kind of like Trey Lance going in like the ninth round versus Joe Burrow going in like the sixth. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of just like, a reason why when we were in the sixth round talking about those guys i wouldn't i mean jalen hurts kyler murray makes sense to me there joe burrow just doesn't make sense to me going yeah. that early he just doesn't yeah. have the upside to really like hit in that same way so uh trey lance going off the board of qb 11 feels like a, a steal to me if he's able to you know stay on the field and do what we expect him to do at least from uh the safety point of him just like having the ability to, to run having the weapons that he has and you know Debo, Ayu, Kittle that rushing game so Trey Lance one of my favorite guys here and then Kadarius Tony because I mean look at the guys surrounding him you mentioned Olave because Olave has the opportunity as well but how many guys in like the ninth tenth round are just like the number one options in their offense or have a chance to just like lead their team in targets you know some in some bad offenses for sure I mean 
But Chris Olave, he has an opportunity too. Kadarius Tony, I would say almost should. If he's healthy, he should be the number one target in the offense. So those are some of the guys that I like there. Kadarius Tony, Trey Lance uh, are two of my favorites. James Cook too. I mean, I like James Cook if you're still looking for some running backs there going up the board as uh, RB38. Um, I want to, you know, attack this question before we move on to the last round of round 10. Uh, is it too much to invest in stacking Josh Allen, Diggs, and Dawson Knox? Um, I think there are some opportunity cost pieces that you could do a little bit better there. I think, you know, in a regular redraft league, I don't think you have to triple stack a team like this. I think that kind of takes away from some of your weekly upside. Uh, there's a good chance, you know, with this kind of build, Dawson Knox is your tight end one. Um, you don't want to have that conflict with your wide receiver one as well. So to this question in a vacuum, yes, I think, but, uh, I think if you're okay with the opportunity cost of taking Josh Allen in the third or fourth round and you can build around him and you have the running backs, you know, you have the wherewithal to draft running backs at the, you know, correct spots around him. Uh, I think it's a fine strategy. I just want to go the extra extra and take Knox as well. Yeah, I, I agree with Sam. I mean, I love doing this stack in best ball drafts. I mean, it's like, it's awesome when you can get Dawson Knox to complete the third guy in the Bills stack. But I would almost say, too, which we talked about earlier with where the quarterbacks go. I mean, if you take Stephon Diggs round one, and I mean, I'm not really taking a quarterback before round five. Um, so not likely that Josh Allen gets there. But if Josh Allen gets there, I mean, I think that's a great stack. I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't force it. You know, like if you're in round three and you're trying to force having a, a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs stack. I mean, it's cool and it would definitely be beneficial in some weeks where they have big weeks, but I just don't prefer taking Josh Allen where he goes uh, based on the ADP. So I think it'd be too much to stack all three because to my point, I mean, if I don't take one of those elite tight ends, I'd rather just wait on on some guys later on. So forcing the third stack in the Bills seems a little bit too much, but a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs stack should be money all season long. So I I like that. Yeah, it's it's extremely safe there. But um, let's get to our last last round here. We got round 10, and uh, I'll start this off. Uh, I do (laughs) want to note that I also love Kadarius, Tony. It's not... It's not often that you see a guy who has potential top 12 upside in the round, ninth round. I you know, definitely suggest taking it if you have the chance. Um, moving on uh, to the last round, I think my target here is going to be pretty clear. Uh, I'm going for one of Damian Pierce or Sky Moore in this range. Uh, it, it's pretty easy to me. This is this is the kind of, like I said a couple of rounds ago, this is the kind of range that you want to go invest in those rookies to kind of start to make moves. And at this point, if you're drafting someone in this range, you're not really drafting them to make, you know, an immediate impact on your team. At this point, if you're doing the Hero RB build, Sky Moore should be your wide receiver six or seven. Um, depending on how how deep you built your wide receivers, you don't really need him to make an impact right away. Damian Pierce could be the lead back right out of right out of uh preseason, or he could take a little bit longer to kind of get into it. Either way, I see him having a massive role by the season's end. And even if he is Michael Carter next year, I'm not too worried. But again, there, I'm going pretty rookie heavy. Um, other guys in this range, Naeem Hines sticks out to me. Um, Russell Gage for, you know, a high floor option uh, is there. And, you know, someone like Ty- Tyler Boyd is someone I wouldn't mind as well. Yeah, I mean, I really like hate this round 10 range in terms of the ADP because weirdly enough, I like some of the guys that are going deeper just like significantly 
more than some of the guys that are ranked higher in consensus and ADP. So sometimes I find myself just, you know, trying trying to fill different positions here and waiting on some guys that I feel like are going to go later, like the Kenneth Gainwells of the world, uh, maybe even a Michael Carter. So, but to Damian Pierce, he was also somebody that I was going to say, uh, you know, you snuck in right there. We're like, I'll, I'll do this one first. I'll do round ten because you knew you. I knew you were going to take Damian Pierce as well. So he's a guy that I like here. I mean, like Sam said, if you're doing a zero RB strategy, I mean, he's a great guy to have for the upside. He's a great guy kind of if you have running backs and you're stashing him, hold on to him for a little bit if he doesn't get going right away. I mean, um, Damian Pierce seems like a great target. And what they did this past week was uh, pretty telling, I think, you know, saying that they're trying to see some other guys who's going to be Damian Pierce's backup pretty much was was pretty telling. And one of the big things that, you know, Sam's talked about a lot because he's a big Damian Pierce guy is, one of the main problems with rookies getting on the field, why we get so frustrated, is they can't pass protect. They can't stay on the field for third down. Damian Pierce can kind of do everything. So <laughs> there's there's not really that downside to him. You already hear Marlon Mack saying great things about him as well. Rex Burkhead's Rex Burkhead will be more of a utility guy. So I don't think it's true. I mean, we're not expecting him to lead the backfield by any means. Mm-hmm. So if anybody has the best chance, I think it's Damian Pierce as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, we wanted to go through 10 rounds of – players for this for our ideal draft um i'll be putting the results that we had into the uh the youtube description as well so you can kind of check out how we kind of fared on both sides what our ideal draft would be uh you know with the bench spots as well obviously you know everyone's going to be different Everyone's going to have their own ways. I think this is, you know, our unique kind of way of dealing with it. We both kind of built hero RB styles. Uh, Jay went a little bit different than me. I like that. I think, you know, everyone should be open to looking at things differently. And uh, I was really glad that we got the uh, the chance to do this. Yeah, it's a good show. We actually, you know, tried to tried to get it into the to the one hour. We did a good job of it. I'm looking at the mm-hmm. clock right now. We're right there. So, I mean, 10 rounds in that amount of time, I feel like we did get to talk about a lot of the players as well. So, we're going to, you know, Sam said I'll put it in the description. I'm probably going to, you know, tweet out my my team or whatever, the, the guys, my targets in those rounds because I was excited to do it earlier today. And then I was like, we're going to do it on the podcast. So, I shouldn't tweet it out yet. So, <laughs> I probably will later just because it's a fun thing to do. Absolutely. But guys, thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of High Floor Football. Uh, We will be back next week. Again, we're doing a show every week up until the season starts. And then uh, I have a exciting announcement for us to share on next week's show about our in-season plans. So keep an ear out for that. Uh, We will see you guys on the flip side next week. Have a great night.